Business Women Rock, episode 52. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible business women. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's going on, ladies? So excited you're here. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Business Women Rock podcast. This is such a great interview today. I'm so excited for you to listen. In order to set it up appropriately, I just want to tell a story. So fast forward after Celeste and I have had the interview and I just fell in love with her for reasons you're about to find out and her product and everything that she does. And I say, God, I got to try some of your stuff. She says, great, I'm going to send you some stuff. Let me know what you think. Um, and you know, you end up working with a coach who can get an idea of what your current skin care regime is and how you spend your life and, you know, so that they create something that's really customized for you. And so I literally tell the coach, okay, here it goes. I wash my face with shampoo in the morning <laughs> in the shower and, um, I don't wash it at night because I'm way too tired and I'm out in the sun a lot. <laughs> Poor coach is like, okay, Katie, I think we can help you. <laughs> Anyway, long story short is that for about a week and a half, I've been using Skin Authority's products and have totally loved them. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people already just saying, what are you doing? You're doing something different. Like your face is really shiny and wonderful and light and, uh, and smooth. So Celeste, great job, great product. I am a product of your system. Um, also, I want to let you know that to celebrate Celeste being here, she is being so kind and giving away amazing packages of Skin Authority. Here's what you need to do to win them. All you have to do is go onto Facebook or Twitter and go tweet about what you love so much about this interview today. If there was something that you know you really connected with, a little lesson that you learned, either go tweet it, go on Facebook, go post it, tag Business Women Rock or tag me, Katie Kremitzos, um, or you know do that on Twitter as well. And uh, so that we can see what's going on, we can see what you put, and um, we will gather all those folks up and we will raffle off the prize. Such great stuff. So thank you to Celeste for giving that to us. And I'm so excited for you to win that. And now on with the show. My guest today is Celeste Hilling, who's the founder of Skin Authority. Skin Authority is a super cool like skincare lifestyle company that not only does these great skincare products, but actually is so much more than that. Her company offers personalized coaching that actually helps them customize a skincare routine and products that are very personalized just to you, your lifestyle, and the goals that you have for your skin, which is the largest organ on your body, right? She was amazing. And yes, you can quote me on that word. She was absolutely wonderful. I learned so much about how she has grown her huge business. She's now an international company. She has about 37 team members. She has partnered uh, in the, since the very beginning with really wonderful companies like the Ritz-Carlton. And she's just doing such great things. And so what I really would love for you to listen for in this story is how she brought something so unique to a marketplace that um, that really was stagnant and was, uh, you know, still offering products from, you know, I think she said back in the 70s and things like that. So just done in a very different way. She really brings technology and innovation into the skincare product industry. 
And you're just going to love her brilliance. Like she just gets it. So make sure to listen afterwards for some of the great key takeaways that I got and turn up the volume. The interview starts now. Celeste, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to hear the story about you as a businesswoman and about the story of Skin Authority because it's such an amazing product that is internationally sold and you've been doing it for 10 years now. So we have a great framework on why your business has been so successful. I'd really like you to start at the beginning. What kind of entrepreneurial experience did you have before you started this company? Like what was a little bit of your background that that prepared you for this? Well, you know, I think I was always one of those people from a large family and always had to work to put myself through school. So I was definitely somebody that from day one understood the idea of hard work. <laughs> it never scared me. And, and if, in fact, I think I loved the idea of a challenge. And I think that being an entrepreneur, the number one thing that I've learned is that it does take a tremendous amount of hard work, focus, and dedication to really be an, an amazing entrepreneur and successful. But the other piece is it takes passion, you know, and, and an ability because you're going to encounter things along the way that that you don't anticipate. So when smarts and money don't take you through something, passion has to carry you through those times that are challenging. And so I think it's finding the right balance of those pieces to be successful. So prior to starting Skin Authority, I came from the high-tech world. I was a founding employee of a, uh, a software company that later I helped be acquired by Compact Computer. And then I went over to Compact Computer and ran its consumer division worldwide for six years, which was an amazing experience. And it really gave me the ability to not only manage a smaller company, which I was building, but then through that acquisition was able to really see the world from 42 country level running a growing company. I was there when it went from $10 million to $40 billion in sales. Wow. So really got to see tremendous growth, but more importantly, got to see the logistics of managing a business that manufactured, that marketed, that sold, and that distributed its products, you know, in 42 countries around the world. And that was a great experience. And we were, you know, one of the first companies to do offshore manufacturing in Japan. And so it was, it was really amazing to, to really get to see the business at that level. And every, and just in my fiber, I soaked all of those experiences up and really used it as an amazing learning ground. And that was really the place where I first got the kernel of the idea. I didn't know it would look and feel like Skin Authority, but knew that I wanted to really go out and do something leveraging technology that was really going to help people with things that they cared about in their everyday life and knew that health and well-being was part of that that passion. So that's really the kernel for Skin Authority. And then from there, I started a company, which was how I went out. And advice I would have to women is I knew I didn't know anything about the skincare industry or necessarily I mean, I understood technology and I understood research, but I didn't really come out of it with experience in skincare. So I really thought, how do I go learn what I need to, to know to be prepared? I understood manufacturing, you know, I understood marketing and those things, but, but the skincare industry itself. And so I started a small little 1600 square foot spa in La Jolla, California. My husband thought I was crazy. So why do you want to go from running compact worldwide to operating a 1600 square foot spa? <laughs> It seems a little opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And at the same time, I found out I was pregnant with our daughter and literally was birthing that location and the baby at the same time. But the great news is, is that one of the things I really feel so important is to really know something from the ground up because it gives you such a better opportunity 
to really be innovative. And so uh, my goal was to use technology in that little 1,600-square-foot space to give amazing personalized service and experiences to people who came in and really map enough data about them to really coach them to look and feel their best and to use products and services and treatments to do that. So within two years, we had nine locations in Southern California, and we were acquired by a publicly held company called Steiner Leisure Limited. And Steiner's, if you can look them up, they're a billion dollars. They run spas on cruise ships and things, and they're a publicly held company. And they reached out to us, saw what we were doing, knew it was really unique, and acquired us. And as part of that, I ended up as president of Steiner's land-based spa business, which also owned a skincare company called Elemis. And so I really got to see, again, in that role, service and delivery of service and products and treatment at a global level, because they are a global company, and then also got to see manufacturing of skincare at a global level. And that experience really gave me, it rounded out sort of my tool bag of skill sets and said, okay, now I'm ready to really go start a company, a modern skincare company that really speaks to today's consumer in a way that they care about. And that was really the background to get to Skin Authority. So let me ask you this. Let me dig a little bit deeper into that. So you said that you, when you first started in this 1,600 square foot place to build out your first place, you said you wanted to really leverage technology to be able to help people with their health and wellness and their their skincare and things like that. What does that mean? Like, what did that really look like? I'm assuming that that was some sort of like back office technology that helped to really link everything together. But what, what was that technology that you actually implemented? Well, it still lives in Skin Authority today. I mean, it, it, what we really focused on was really gathering. And, and, for example, what was a genesis for starting that was I would have people say, I would talk to you about how, what they felt about how they looked. And they would say, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't feel, I feel tired. I look in the mirror and I don't even recognize who I am. I'm, you know, attached 24-7 by cell phone and, you know, all the other technologies that are out there, and I really don't have time to take care of me. And I said, well, what does that look like, take care of you? And they go, well, you know, I go to a hairdresser, I go to an esthetician, I might go to a yoga coach, but when I go, they pull out a 4 by 6 card, tells you how long ago it was, and they'll say, what are we going to do with you today? And I've been going to them for 10 years. Like, don't they know what they should do? Can't they tell me what they should do for me? And so the idea was with technology how do we personalize an experience that really is about taking all the things you care about, how you want to look, how you want to feel, getting all that information from you through consultations and working with you, and then letting that information help shape how we deliver a service to you or how we deliver a product so that it's personalized to your specific needs. So that's really where we started coining the phrase skincare coaching because it was really sort of Zappos meets Jenny Craig. If you look at every other form of self-improvement out there, we go to an expert. You don't think of taking a yoga class without a yoga instructor showing you the moves. Or in the case of weight loss, you know, we follow a diet plan or we we follow a certain lifestyle choice, the Mediterranean diet and how we eat. And it it guides us through the choices we make every day to reach our goals. With skincare, there's never been anything like that. We show the numbers. 51% of the country uses oil of the lay regenerist and self-diagnosis down the aisle of Target or Rite Aid. And our skin is the number one largest organ in our body. We now know it's one of the most important organs in the body. It's the center of our immune system. It's the thing that protects us, warms us, cools us. And it's not just something we peel, pluck, or shave. And because of that, 
we have so little coaching, of expert coaching, to help guide us through how we deal with how our skin changes over the years, whether that's the impact of acne or hormonal aging or birth control pills or menopause or all the things we face that change dramatically the way we look. It's really about giving people that coaching and that guidance when they need it and wherever they need it. So the way technology helps us is if you're at home and you just bought something that you brought home and you don't know how to integrate it with your Neutrogena routine or you've gotten sunburned and you don't really know how best to treat it so that it doesn't reoccur and you don't expose yourself to negative things like skin cancer. What, what are the steps I need? Or you're in the aisle of Rite Aid and you don't know whether you should have a retinoid product or you should have an argon oil product and what's best for the, your needs and what you have. Technology lets us make a coaching session instant. Last year we did over half a million coaching sessions using Skype and FaceTime with consumers who just wanted some guidance. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Wow. Technology allows us to deliver a personalized experience with a real coach when and wherever you need us. You guys are basically like customizing an entire experience of somebody coming in and saying, okay, here's who I am. Here's my unique statistics. Here's what my lifestyle is like. Here's the outcome I really want for my skin. And then you guys sort of create this customized, let's say, product package for them, right? That's correct. But even more important than just the product, it's about knowing what your lifestyle is. So for example, the way that we developed and when I talked about starting Skin Authority as a modern skincare company, what I mean by that is designed around the needs a consumer has today, not 1975, not 1985, but 2014, which means people are busy. They want to be able to, to, to have the power of eight steps, but they want to do it in two. You and I aren't somebody who has an hour <laughs> to spend. So it's how do you do it very quickly? So you have to make multi-purpose products that can truly perform because of Botox and fillers. People no longer want to wait for skincare to work. They want it to work immediately. They want to see a result when they apply it. So we design that into our products, but we also know that by, to give you that result, we need to give you the impact of six steps in two. So multi-purpose, products that really perform, but most importantly, at an accessible price point because the key to skincare is using it every day. So we had to really build that technology into a price point that allowed you to feel good about purchasing it frequently so that you stay with it long enough to see the results. So that really is at the cornerstone of looking at how you take something that is personalized. And for us, it's about understanding if you really only have time for one step a day, it doesn't matter if our coach thinks you should do because if you're only going to do one, that's what we need to work on is how do we make that one step do the most it can for you? And if you're on a budget, how do we get the most value for that budget? So it personalizes beyond just what you need to treat your specific skincare. It's also about to get that result, we need to fit your lifestyle. And so it really is about, that's why we call ourselves the Healthy Skin Lifestyle Company. It's about fitting into your lifestyle and making whatever we do work for you. Hmm. I really, really love that. And thank you for that explanation, because that is a, an entirely different paradigm on really how to look at skincare products and just skincare in general versus, like you said, going to a Target and just saying, okay, which one looks the best and which one have I heard about? And even that can be deceiving. You know, that's the other part is consumer education, because if you're if you're looking at Target, you might be looking at two products that they're visually merchandised. So 
They may look the same size. They may look, but one may be 0.2 of an ounce and the other's four ounces, but they're the exact same size package. They're 19.99, but 0.2 of an ounce at 19.99 is $100 an ounce. It's a pretty pricey product. Wow. Sounds good at 19.99, and that's the average product you're looking at in the store. So, so it's so people are spending a lot more than they think they're spending. They're getting things that perhaps aren't right for them. And how do we take that equation and turn it upside down and really innovate in this space? Wow. Okay, so let's dig in a little bit into the business side of what you're talking about. So I want to rewind 10 years ago when you actually started your company. Tell me what happened in those first that first year or two when you first started your company, when you knew, okay, this is what I want to do. I now have had this experience that is like the marriage of international product sales and manufacturing, and now all this time spent in the skincare and health and lifestyle industry. Now you're marrying those two together. You start your company now what happens? Like what happened in those first two years? Well, the first thing that we needed to do is we were introducing a concept that no one else was doing. This idea of coaching, skincare coaching and guiding someone through an experience. You know, while you might have had people like estheticians or cosmetic counter people at Nordstrom making a recommendation when you went in, there really was never someone that was actually mapping out a lifestyle program for you saying, here's what we're going to do over the next year. Here's the things you need to do every day. You want to get to a place where you look like X, you know, where you get rid of all your brown spots, where you get rid of your acne, where you, okay, these are the things we need to do over the next six to nine months to get you there. And I'm going to hold your hand through this and be available to ask you questions. And I'm also going to hold you accountable. So we're going to be there to sort of make sure you do these things. And so just give us permission to somehow, sometimes say, get on the board, buddy. You got to get there. So we, so really to do that, we stepped back and said, we need to test this model because what I had learned from prior experiences is you don't want to fix something that's broken when you now have it out in the hands of a million people. It's very expensive and it can tank your company. What you really want to do is refine your model at a low scale where it's not expensive to, to fix things because you're going to be fine-tuning it a lot as you refine it. So what we did is we went out and we were lucky enough to pitch the concept to a local sports medicine clinic, and we said, look, you've got athletes and weekend warriors as your, as your patients. We would love to be coaching them in skin care and the things that they need to be doing to take great care of their skin because they are outdoors all the time. And so we'd love to open a clinic in your practice and really be able to do that with your patients. Well, we were lucky that all 10 physicians agreed and brought us in. And in our first year, we were making recommendations of products and regimens and things for all these patients to improve their skin health and the way that they looked. It gave us a tremendous amount of experience at refining that process of coaching, but also the products and the things. So we used over-the-counter products that first year and really tried different technologies to sort of see what we liked, what we didn't like, what worked on them, what didn't. We had prescription and non We had access to prescription and non-prescription products because we could prescribe in that environment and so forth. So we did all of those things, and, and it, we had thousands of patients coming through the program, and it was really our living Petri dish to really learn. And from that, what we learned is people needed products that really worked. They needed products for multipurpose. We didn't have those things on the market. So it gave us the data that we needed, the market validation that we needed, and the customer need experience to know what we needed to go build in terms of skincare products to really meet the needs of consumers. The other beautiful thing of doing this in San Diego, California, and with this practice, is that 
it's a very diverse audience. We we saw every ethnicity, every age point, and it really allowed us to practice and develop our products across all different skin types, across all different demographics of age and income. And so it really helped us broaden our perspective of what we needed to do to, to really appeal to a broad audience out there of men, women, children, and also multi-ethnicity. So we really learned so much of that process, and we refined and started making our own products. We started making them to the to the needs that those consumers shared with us and to the conditions that we saw being treated and designing things that didn't exist, you know, natural brighteners instead of hydroquinone, prescription hydroquinone that's gentler, easier, making glycolic out of sugar cane versus chemicals so it's less harsh. So the, the reality is that it gave us a lot of a lot of an opportunity, and we started growing our distribution. You know, we started branching out, and before you know it, we had customers telling their parents and their friends and their daughters, you need to do this. So, you know, we had tens of thousands of people approaching the company and buying our products all through word of mouth, which was so powerful and so amazing. And to this day, that's how we grow our company is wonder people having an amazing experience telling someone else about it. And that is the best PR advertising that you can get is to spend the money to take care of your customers, to coach them, to support them, because in the end, they will help build your business. Can you go a little bit into what it really took to create the actual product? Because there are so many businesswomen I've talked to who want to create something special. They want to create a particular type of cream or balm or protein blend or whatever it is. I mean, you guys are sort of playing chemist and trying things out. Were you literally doing this in your kitchen? Did you kind of find a kitchen of chemists to be able to try stuff out and you were giving them recipes? Like, what did that process look like? And and then I'm just kind of assuming that as you would get version one, you would test it on on the folks coming through your coaching program, right? That's right, exactly. So a couple things stepping back. One is having had the experience of being president of Steiner managing a, a business that actually owned a skincare company. I'd had a lot of experience of looking at how, you know, products were formulated, how they were manufactured, but also learning what I didn't want to do, which is always, it's valuable to know what you do want to do, but it's also valuable to know how what you want to rule out. And one thing that I learned very quickly, both running a consumer company that shipped around the world and also product company, was that you really, you can't just mix something in your kitchen. The reality is if you're going to be putting that on people's faces and you're going to be putting it on, in, you know, on their bodies all around the globe where you're not there to see what happens, You've got to be very vigilant about the quality of the ingredients you use, the safety of the ingredients you use. You need to know that bacteria is not going to grow in that bottle when you package it. You need to know that, that you're not going to have an allergic reaction. and So all of those things. So, yes, we definitely, to this day, we use chemists and we work with chemists. But one thing I learned very valuably in those early days is that I also learned that I have to be responsible as the head of the company to really tell, to, to paint the picture of what we want, to be able to know and, and send myself to school. I mean, if I can say over the last 10 years, I probably have no way to count the thousands of hours I have spent educating myself in formal and non-formal settings, everything from pharmacology classes to things I've done online to conferences I attend. I read nonstop. I'm probably someone that will tell you if I have a downtime moment on a plane or in a car or on a train, I am reading everything I get my hands on about the trade, about the industry, because it is really, you have to educate yourself so that you know firsthand 
what's being put in that bottle and what it means. And so even though a chemist is there, a chemist is going to tell you how to mix these things together in a way that's safe or how to get a consistency of a cream or a gel. But what the chemist doesn't know is how the consumer wants that to look and feel under makeup, what they want to be able to do in terms of what's going on in the market with competitors, also just being able to discern. Every chemist has ingredient suppliers that they use. And what I've learned is those are relationships like every other industry, and they tend to use the same ingredient suppliers over and over. Well, those ingredient suppliers all have a clinical study to say, here's how this ingredient works. And the truth is, nine times out of ten, that's not accurate information. So you've got to educate yourself so that you you can, on your own, gather all the data from experts, but then in the end, you're the one who's going to make the decision. And you've got to decide what makes sense to you and what applies to your customers. So today, zoom forward 10 years, we actually create all of our own formulations in-house. We use chemists to verify the formulas. To We do an RFP. We bid it out and say, here's what we want. Here's the ingredients we want. Here's one to look and feel. Here's the price point one, blah, blah, blah. Now, you have to bid to tell us what you can do to design it. The beauty of that is it keeps us fresh. We're always got latest, greatest technologies, but it also allows us to determine what we want. We design it. We say it's these ingredients. We pick the ingredients and the pieces that we want. And it takes time to get to that level of expertise, but we're there. And so now we're in charge of our own destiny, and that's why our products are so amazing, because we curate the ingredients just like you would in any fine establishment where you handpick what goes in that bottle through education. One of my questions to you is going to be, what exactly does innovation and technology really mean in the skincare product industry? And I think that you've just done such a great job of explaining exactly what that is. Well, and there's even more innovation. I mean, our field right now is exploding in terms of innovation. And what's what's great is that most people go out, right now 90% of the products on the market are moisture. They're using technology from the 70s and the 80s. So 70s and 80s were essential oils, AHAs, and retinoids. And today you still, and by the way, we use all of those things in our products. But that's like soap and water. I mean, that's the basics of skincare. Nobody, you know, not many companies, because it's expensive and it's time-consuming, are going out and seeing what's happening in the medical field and crossing over and saying, what kinds of technology is not just about moisturizing dead skin shirts, you know, your, your skin is, is dead that you're looking at in the mirror. If you take a, de- a dried sponge and you throw it in water, which is what 90% of skincare products out there are, when you throw it in, it's going to expand, it's going to feel soft, it's going to look better, but it's still a sponge. And at the end of the day, when it dries back up, it's going to be hard and fragile again. With technology today, we actually have the beginnings of what's called regenerative technology that allows us to not only make dead skin look better on the surface, we have technology that will allow us to now help the skin regenerate its healthy aspects, just like we're doing with all other pieces, looking at fatty acids and how we eat and leafy green vegetables and bright fruit and, you know, all the things that we know about omega-3s and all those things apply to the skin in the way that they do the body. Oxygen and VO2 and understanding how to stem cell and, and growth factors, how they translate to improving how a cell procreates. All of those things apply to skin. And you don't have to look very far to see great technology that crosses over, and that's what we've done at Skin Authority. For example, our skin growth factor technology, one of only two companies in the world that use it. It's one of the most advanced technology out there, but we put it at an affordable price point, and you can make huge, and it actually makes you, over time, have a healthier response on your skin. So 
that's what motivates us and that's what we mean by innovation and technology as well. So can you talk a little bit about how have you guys grown so big? You have about 37 people who are part of your team. You are a very big company. You are international. How did you go from sort of doing all these tests of you know, skincare coaching and people asking for your product and creating this product that's now ready to go? How did you grow from there to this international company? Well, the first step is, is really building great relationships in distribution and marketing and, and to be honest, hiring great people. We're a very virtual team. People are shocked when they see the limited number of staff we have because technology and using technology the way we do allows us to have such a great reach. But the second thing is, even if you have all the technology at the head, you have to have vision, passion, and expertise. And the one thing I can tell you is I am so someone who believes that you hire up you hire people to fill all your weaknesses. You know, first thing you need to do is understand what your strengths are and then be really honest about what you can't do well. And I think if you can be, because you know what? It doesn't hurt anyone but yourself to deny what you don't do well. I mean, the most important thing is to really say, I'm great at this. So in my, in my case, case, you know, where my passion lies is in the vision and building the big picture. It's in painting strategy. I mean, I love those things, and also I'm a geek inside in that I, I love technology. I love learning all the, you know, the brick and mortar of that, but, but the truth is, you know, I'm not the most analytical person for so the operational side of the business, the finance, the human resources. I need amazing people to do that because it's not my strength. When you look at things like building the infrastructure for sales process and for marketing, you know, so for me, you know, what I really spend my time doing is looking for people in the industry that just impress the heck out of me, that are amazing people who have fire in their belly or hard workers and would love to have an opportunity to grow and develop. And those people are the people we bring in because we can train on everything, but we can't rewire DNA. And the truth is, is, you know, I hire for DNA and I train for everything else. And I think that (laughs) that, that. and it's true because that's the part that, that determines your success is you need talented people, and then you need to empower them, but you have to give them a vision, and you've got to give them guidelines. But if you do that, and then you work as a team, your growth can be tremendous. So to answer your question directly, to go from that place where we were in this clinic environment, kind of testing everything, and when we knew it was working, we knew it was the number one thing is it was profitable. We were throwing cash off that we could reinvest in the business. We have no, to this day, we have no outside funding in the business whatsoever. We've met, we have no investment from outside. It's focused, right? But we have never needed or gone out for, we have all, because we've been very careful from day one to make sure that we always said, can we afford to do this? Can we cash flow it? It's great to have a million ideas, but what are the ones that are going to be able to return to us? Let's focus, because the other ideas will still be there we'll still be able to get there, but we can't get there if we don't have cash. And so that's always been the driving factor for us. So we've had to say no to a lot of opportunities, but we've also been very focused in the ones that were important. And I think that lack of that, having that focus is critical, understanding that you do need to care about cash flow. And if you don't do it well, get somebody who does and look at that spreadsheet every day. Make sure that's the number one tool I use as a forecasting tool to forecast what we're going to spend, how much do we need to produce, where's it got to go, what's the demand look like now that we have a, you know, some history of seven years of being on the commercial market. We know that August is slower than January, so what do we do to make sure that we're going to have a cash dip in August? And 
if if we don't, do we make how can we grow more sales? How can we make sure we have backup cash if we need it if it dips during the summer? You know, it's things like that that you might not like it, but you need to spend time looking at it, and you need to get great resources to help you manage that. And once we were able to do that and get great relationships with people who loved us, who wanted to represent our product, we started going out and partnering with people that were amazing brands that consumers looked to as service and quality and said, we want to be a partner with you. We want you to carry our products. We want you to promote us to your customers. And we'll earn that right by giving you tremendous support and an amazing product to deliver. And we'll support your consumer for you. And that's what we do with the virtual coaching is we extend that on behalf of our resellers, which is amazing that they have that kind of customer service experience to offer to their customer. And so the, having that unique proposition and also handpicking those first people that carried our products and to make sure we supported them well, made sure every customer had a great experience, taking the time to do that right, was looking back on it now, was so critical to the foundation we needed to grow the business successfully for the years to come. One of the things that Skin Authority does really well is that you have created a very powerful brand. Like people know the Skin Authority brand. They know what it represents. You've just given us maybe some examples of how you establish the reputation of that brand. But what are some strategies that you have used to really get the brand out there and to make sure it's established as a very powerful, very positive brand? Well, a couple of things. You know, you have to, I mean, as we just discussed, at a minimum, you need to be able to deliver a product that works, that does what you say it does for any brand to be successful. And secondly, you've got to support the heck of it to make sure that people have a good experience. And most importantly, you're always going to have someone who doesn't. So if they don't, what do you do about it? How do you make that right? And if you can't make it right, how do you still get them to be a fan even if they aren't using your product? And that's the thing, that's, a, that's relationship building. That's about respecting and putting the consumer first about making good choices. Second to that, when I look at building the brand or the next level, once you're delivering a great product, you're delivering great service experience, now people have to know about it. So the next thing is, you know, as a leader of a company, now you can choose whether it's you, and if your skill set's not getting out in front of people, then you need to have somebody in your organization who does have that skill set because What's powerful is you want to be out in your own industry being seen as the expert, being seen as the innovator, because even your own industry competitors will make you successful. They'll help build your brand, because if they see you as a viable option, they're going to be talking about you, and you want people talking about you as an expert. So for me, it's if you look at my calendar every year, you know, I'm constantly out speaking at every major, I don't do little small things, but the major conferences, and I'm like, I'm going to be a keynote, or I'm going to be on the most educated panel, because I want people to see us as a leader. You know, the other piece is, is you know, I'm not, we don't spend a ton of money on advertising. In fact, we spend almost nothing on advertising, but we spend a lot of money and time on public relations. We spend a lot of time on going out in the public and everything from charity organizations and charity events because I really believe that giving back to your community is a huge way to build solid relationships and be seen as a company that cares and people want to do business with a company that has an emotion and that's important. But the second part is making sure that as we build that brand that it's reaching out, doing interviews, going out and doing events. I can't even in any way ever stop saying to this day, 
please put me in an event, you know, because we have built our business by shaking the hands of the people, touching their skin, talking to them one-on-one. So getting out and doing events in your community, if you're not big enough to do an event on your own, team up with people in your industry who are doing them. And and together, five of you can pool your money and do a great event that you get to meet and greet your customers and spend time with them and really get them to see you as human and then ask them to help you. I want to build my brand. I'd love to have 10 more customers like you. Will you help me with that? Can you tell other people about us? And referral programs and reward programs to encourage your best customers to talk on your behalf because they clearly will. And it's it's such a powerful tool. And it's often seen as so easy or so so basic that most companies skip it. But it's the most important thing because if someone sees a four-color ad that's beautiful but they know nothing about you, you've just spent $10,000 that isn't really building or saying anything about who you are. If I take that same $10,000 and I do an event for 250 people who are the top influencers in my community or in my industry, and they meet me personally, they meet my staff personally, they experience the products personally, they see what we're about, we have a chance to tell them our story, that is so much more powerful. And those people will all go out and tell eight or ten people. And that's the power of really investing in that way. I love that because what you're really alluding to is kind of what I call like the the belly to belly relationships. We're definitely going to ask a question about social media and, and where that plays for you because I think that's also very important. But because of that, sometimes it's often forgotten that this belly to belly meeting of people, of speaking about your product and your industry, of getting out there and, you know, shaking the hands of people, looking in the eyes of people, asking your supporters for more support. That's so foundational. And you're right, it's sort of seen as just this very easy thing and and basic thing. And yet, it's one of those things that's sort of easy to get away from the the busier that you become. Well, and the other thing is you del- it, it's very easy to delegate it to third parties and say, oh, let my reseller have an event or let my so-and-so have an event. I'm too big to do that now. And what happens with that is the further it gets away from you, the more that the brand can get translated into things that you didn't intend. And I think that for me, I would rather delegate a million other things. Okay, I'd rather delegate if there's something that's technical or something that's operational. There's lots of great people that can execute that. But there's only a handful of people who know the brand like you do as the person who runs a company or who owns a company. And the truth is, my, you know, early on I had a mentor, a, a guy that was amazing. And one thing he said is you never, Celeste, never delegate strategy. You never, you delegate tactics all day long, but never delegate strategy. And I always remember that. And to this day, if it's strategic and in my mind, building those relationships and in our company's success to date is the most strategic thing we can do. Our partnering, whether it's with consumers or with our reseller partners, is the most important because they represent our brand. They speak on our behalf. And the more we support them, the more they're educated, the better job they do of that. And the less, frankly, money you have to spend in advertising because you've got those people doing it for you. And by the way, it's authentic. And consumers want it to be authentic. I absolutely love that. And one of the really cool PR moves that you have done is that you've actually brought on Olympic volleyball champion Carrie Walsh Jennings as like the face of your company. Like literally, like she's using your products and she's out there as a celebrity, very much like the Wheaties gal. You know, you are really a product that people need to see how it works. And so you have gotten this celebrity to be able to model your products. Why did you choose an athlete? And I'm an athlete, so you know I'm a little biased and really loving the fact that you have an athlete representing the company. But why did you choose an athlete and what effects has that had on your company? 
couple of things. One is we didn't really go in search of a celebrity. She just so happened to be a celebrity. But I think that what we wanted was, I mentioned the word authenticity a few minutes ago. You know, we wanted to really have someone that had truly been someone that I had been personally coaching for the last five years of to skin health. And Carrie is one of our real customers. She has been using the products and wherever she travels for volleyball, wherever she's training on the beach or she's in China playing on the field, we, you know, we coach her through all the geographies, all the changes. Plus she's had three children over the last three Olympics in 16 years of Olympics. She's also one of the oldest players. And by the way, she's super young. She's only 35 years old. But in that field, you're playing against 19-year-olds. And so she's been in that sun and in those conditions and in the winds and the elements and under that type of rigorous training for, you know, many years, 20 years. And so that started to take a toll on on how she looked. And a big part of her success in, in volleyball is being able to be healthy in that sun for much longer. She's got a lot more gold medals in her. And um, she wants to be able to see that in a healthy way. As a mom of three, she wants to role model great, healthy skin, healthy behaviors like sunscreen wearing every day, knowing how long to stay in the sun, wearing UV protective clothing, you know, all of those things. And she's found that through the coaching that we've done with her, great ways to weave that into her busy schedule in life. And so she really is a mom of three and a working woman, just the way many of our customers are. And so I felt like that was what we wanted was, and we are the healthy skin lifestyle company. We believe in movement. You know, you need to move. You need to eat well. And she does all those things. So for us, it really is about finding somebody who could speak to that, who could really be a testimonial, not so much a face of the company, but a testimonial to a healthy skin lifestyle and to the importance of seeking good coaches as those from Skin Authority to really lead that lifestyle and role model for your families. And so that was really the partnership. And we actually became friends through through coaching. And then she just said, hey, I'd love to tell people about it. And I said, I'd love for you to do it. She actually approached us about doing it. Wow. So we went out and said, we'd love to do that. And, and she and I make a good team in that she is an expert. She is an athlete. She does things I could never do. She's helped me be healthier and helped me be more athletic. And at the same time, I've helped her care about her skin and understand her health and spread that to her children and her family and the people that follow her. So it makes a good combination. And if anything, I can't say that, that I would say that our sales have skyrocketed because of Carrie. But what I think is the brand messaging and the authenticity of that and having someone real and approachable that people can identify with, like Carrie, talk about how her life has been enhanced through leading a healthy skin lifestyle and the importance of having that coaching and her relationship with Skin Authority helps us really build that brand message that we are so passionate about. Celeste, how, let's get to the other side of this coin. How have has Skin Authority leveraged social media in order to continue building that brand and in order to do marketing and, and really bring in business? And what impact has that had? A couple of things. I think one thing that we've learned in in like all companies, I won't tell you that we have figured this out because social media is so dynamic and it's changing so much. And all, more, more importantly, you have to really know your customer and you have to, first of all, you've got to know who you are and who you want to be talking to. And I think that's a challenge for, it's always a challenge for me to keep, because we're always changing and growing and we're dynamic. But I think always assessing where your brand is, who you're speaking to, who your audience is a very important part of understanding how to leverage social media. Because, for example, with skincare, we're a very visual experience. 
so people want to look at examples. They want to be able to see how someone's looks, skin looked before and after. They want to share pictures of how they looked before and after. They want to be able to see how to apply something. So for us, those visual modes of communication are just as important as these words we're speaking right now. So we have to look at what, you know, social media gives us an ability to do a show and tell, to do education, because that's such a big part of being healthier and being able to, to stay with a program. So that's helped us guide where we put focus within the different aspects of social media, like Facebook versus Instagram versus Pinterest. But the other side of it is, and by the way, since we're B2C, you know, we're business to consumer, if we were B2B, we'd probably be using tools more, we use LinkedIn and all that, but we'd probably be using LinkedIn as a more central focus. So I think you have to know who you are and who your customer is so that you know what tools in social media are best for you. But the other thing we've really been learning over the last couple of years is that there isn't a single, that, that all of these channels, so to speak, of media are not independent. For years, we would have people come through, even in our own organization, or consultants come from outside and say, oh, you know, you're, you're in a brick-and-mortar store. This is how you have to talk at retail. This is how you talk via the web. This is how you talk via Facebook. This is how you present yourself in Instagram. And so it's very easy to think of them as silos and to think of it as, hey, I'm going to create different messaging for each of these. But what I now do when I'm out talking and saying what our experience has been is I'm really sharing with others that you have to think omni-channel. You've got to think like a consumer. A consumer doesn't think, oh, today I'm what's called an online shopper purchaser. Tomorrow I'm an in-store purchaser. You know, They just think about, hey, I need to deliver a Mother's Day gift. I'm buying this online and I'm running into Sephora for some stuff before I go on vacation. That's their life. And so what you want to be able to do is make sure that your message, that you think about your messaging as a continuum. So everything I'm touching, whether it's through Facebook, whether it's through something I'm doing through traditional media like a magazine interview, or it's something I'm doing now on this podcast, or what I'm doing next in store for a point of sale display, or what I'm doing in a trade magazine, that all of those I see on a continuum of, of a dialogue that we're having with the consumer. And we map it out so that there's consistency in the message in all of those because you asked, how do you build a brand? And the way you build a brand is to be consistent in what you're telling people about the brand and knowing who you are and making sure that no matter what you're using, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, that the kernel of that consistency is always there, even though it's being showcased in a different way. And I think that that's the most valuable thing I've learned is that there, these aren't independent channels where you need to take tailor a unique message for that channel. It's really about what's the unique message to your audience and how do you use all of these touch points to, to reinforce that message and to deliver it in the way that that touch point is best used. Does that make sense? Makes great sense. I, I really, really love that vantage point. Celeste, what have been some of the toughest moments for you in this business journey thus far? Describe maybe a low moment that you've had that you just maybe didn't think that you could go on or you just fell apart or whatever it was. And, you know, what did you do? What got you through that, that low moment? I wish there was only one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Such so a common answer on here, and I'm so glad. <laughs> I'd like to go with what are your lowest moments? Uh, um, and by the way, I still have current moments. Because I think as, a, as someone who owns their own business or runs a business, there's never ever, if you're growing and you're staying relevant, you're always going to have moments. Because being on the front of something is never easy. 
and building and growing means for every step you take forward, you're going to take two steps back somewhere. And I've learned to embrace that. I actually, because if I'm not failing, then I'm not doing something right. Because nothing today is in a recipe book. Even though everything I share, you know, it's different for someone else. Hopefully they get some thinking and expand it, but they have to try it themselves. They've got to make it unique to their to their brand. And I think if you think that way, there's going to be lots of moments. So for me, the lowest moments are things where you're trying something new and people tell you it can't work. You go from place to place and they go, that can't work. And by the way, you want to listen to that because sometimes there might be some truth in that. You want to be open to saying, hey, am I just believing my own hype or is it? But the other part is there's, we know, when we started out saying we would coach people and that Ritz-Carlton would team up with us and give us the names of their guests to support at home, everyone said, that'll never work. Why would somebody let you talk to their customer? You know, why would they give you the name of their customer? And we said, because they, they're all about service and they want the best service experience and because we're going to be their partner to deliver great service in their house. And they're like, oh, no one will ever do that. Well, 10 years later, we're a core brand with Ritz-Carlton's worldwide. So it does happen. But it, it takes a lot of belief and passion to keep going when 10 people tell you it can't work. And I think that that's the kind of commitment and drive you have to have, not, not to, to a fault, meaning you can't block out all feedback. But if you, if you know in your heart, you know, what I've learned is people can't understand something that they've never seen or something they've never done. So if you're innovating a new model, it's hard for them to imagine what that would look like. The story I love to tell is when the first focus group was done on ATMs, and I was part of that in college, everybody in the focus group said ATMs would not be successful because everybody wanted a relationship with a banker. Well, okay, hello, today we scream if there's not an ATM in the grocery store. Right. <laughs> but the reality is nobody could envision what that would, because they felt like it was replacing something they were comfortable with. In the same way, I think that you have to know if you're innovating something new, that you are going to have a certain number of people who just can't catch the vision, and that doesn't mean you're wrong, and you have to stay with it. And sometimes it's lonely because there's nobody else who believes it. And the other part is you have to have to, frankly, you've got to be willing to sacrifice because there's, you know, you're giving up your own money, you're giving, I mean, you're mortgaging your home, you're paying your people, and you can't pay yourself on the weekend, and you're wondering what you can cut back on. And a lot of times your employees will go like, oh, you, you know, you have the lap of luxury, you're the owner, and they don't realize you don't have anything and you're actually paying them instead of paying yourself. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, it can be a lonely place to own a business. It can be a lonely place to be a leader, and you have to be prepared for that. And you've got to find strength inside of you and inside of your passion. And that's why sometimes it's a good question to ask yourself when starting a business, am I somebody that has that kind of fortitude? Because you have to. And, you know, those moments can be really low, but i got to tell you, when you sit fast forward and you see something that you birthed that everybody said couldn't work and you see it working around the world, that is an amazing, amazing feeling. And it's also amazing gratitude for all that hard work that you do. Celeste, I want to conclude this conversation by asking you, what is the vision for Skin Authority? Where, where are you going? Well, we, we are, and we want to continue to be the healthy skin lifestyle company, which means that what the vision is is really to be the leader in this space of helping guide people to make great choices every day so that they live a lifetime of healthy, radiant skin. And that definition 
will always be looking different because technology changes, the technology we use to make products, the technology we use to support you. And so to me, by saying we want to be the leader in that space, we want to be the brand that you think of. When you think of healthy skin, you think of skin authority to call. And so what that means is we always have to be out in front of how this industry is changing and bringing that change to the consumer and making it relevant to their needs. And so that implies that we just have to really stay current and we've got to, to always be looking and reevaluating what we're doing to make sure it's relevant to today's consumer, not last year's, because the consumer is constantly changing. So we have a lot of work to do to stay in the leadership, to get in the leadership position, to stay in it, and frankly, to morph and change as, as our resources, things available to us to keep us growing are there. And so I think the biggest challenge is, and the vision I have is, to just stay engaged and be alert to what's happening and not so insular that all you look at is what's happening in your company. You've got to be out there seeing what's happening in the landscape. And frankly, you've got to be looking at competitors and saying, are they doing something really well that I'm not? Because benchmarking is a great way to grow. Celeste, I really just want to take a second just to say thank you so much for being here on the show. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story and really opening the curtains into Skin Authority. I really am loving how you guys are bringing something so brand new and so fresh to the market, how you've been doing that and, and what it's taken to be able to do that and continue to grow. You guys are having great success being in locations all around the world. And I just want to wish you continued luck and just thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Well, and I want to thank you for what you're doing and the power of what you're doing to just bring women like me together with all of your listeners and the people who who you reached out to because I think there's power in all of us sharing our stories and helping each other because it takes a village. And I think you're building a great one. So thank you for what you do. You can get the show notes for today's interview at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 52. I so enjoyed that conversation with Celeste and the biggest takeaway that I got was that she is constantly educating herself about her industry, about her competition, about technologies that are out there. And I was really, um, I really love the fact that she really took all of these pieces of education that she had in all these different industries and started really bringing them together and brought this technology to skincare. Who thought that there would be technology in skincare? But I really got it. So hope you got something great out of it too. And remember, all you have to do to be eligible to win a free package of Skin Authority products is let me know what lesson you learned on Facebook or on Twitter. Make sure to tag me or Businesswomen Rock and we'll put you in the drawing to win. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great day and I'll see you on the next episode. I can't be the only one who's ever tried to wash her face with shampoo, right? Right?